The following program, The Voice for Southeast Texas, is paid for by the Dana Steele Campaign. Welcome from the Associated Credit Union of Texas studio. This is The Voice for Southeast Texas with Houston radio legend and Texas Radio Hall of Famer, Dana Steele. Good morning and welcome back to The Voice for Southeast Texas. I am Dana Steele. We are live on Facebook. It's like in television. It's like, which camera am I supposed to look at? (laughs) And we have a room, not only a room full today, but a room full of women. So some guests I'm really looking forward to speaking with. And I don't know if you can see her on on one of these cameras. Uh, I don't know, Tegan, can we? We have our first real live studio audience member sitting uh, over in the, the peanut gallery over there. We have to come up with a name for that, don't we? Uh, Andrea Elizondo, maybe we'll drag you onto mic here a little bit later on, but um, she's one of those um, incredible women who was a political activist at the uh, Texas State House here in the last year, and we thank you for your involvement in uh standing up for women and standing up for folks uh, in the state of Texas. Wow, what a week. It's only Tuesday. I'm exhausted. How about you? You know, we've got uh, the fight continues over net neutrality, although they have repealed it. Chuck Schumer has said they're going to uh, uh, file to to overturn that ruling. So we have that going on. Uh, sexual harassment continues. Uh, more revelations just over and over again. Somebody said to me, you know, what is the point of this? And then Doug Jones, who we were all so excited, got elected, goes, women just need to move on. Doug, you just need to shut up. Uh, No, no, no. We're trying to make this a a better world, equal opportunity, and so that um, people like my 17-year-old guest, Annie Figueroa, does not have to put up with this as she gets out into the workforce and into the political world. Um, uh, I have to say, though, I'm, I'm in the camp that they used our tax dollars to pay off sexual harassment uh, and sexual abuse cases in Congress, in the House and in the Senate. I want to know who they settled for, not with. We don't need to bring up the women that needs to be kept private, women or men that were harassed. But I want to know which senators and which congressmen or women used our money to keep these stories quiet. So we, uh, I'm going to continue to push for that as well. The tax bill, they could vote on that as early as, oh, I don't know, five minutes from now. Uh, despite the fact that most Americans, most companies, um, most groups, uh, most accountants, most financial experts say it's a horrible idea, they're going to vote on it, they're going to pass it, and again, somebody like Annie, who's 17 years old, is now going to be saddled with another $1.5 trillion in debt. So. You know, we have people in the Senate, we have people in the Congress, we have people in the Texas State House, we have politicians everywhere that are not listening to us. They're not listening to the experts, they're not listening to us, they're not listening to the people they represent. I was under the understanding that that's the whole point of electing somebody, they become your representative. Case in point, Ted Cruz has been not only calling people who disagree with, constituents who call his office snowflakes calling them names that is junior high once you are elected to serve that's it it doesn't matter if you're a democrat a republican an independent a libertarian and martian i don't care what you are 
you have been elected to serve everyone in your state not just the ones that like you so i was just horrified when i saw that this week and and then um ted cruz was posing with um junior holding up a, a cookie cake cake of obama with some nasty little comments you know it's just the the lack of class and decorum and representation uh, just continues to degrade and gets worse and worse. That's the reason, hashtag, why I run. So just some of the things that are going on. Speaking of hashtags, I'm very proud to announce I've been added to um, the group, hashtag elect her. 25 women running in the state of Texas for various positions from U.S. Congress to the state house to um, school boards. So very, uh, very honored that I am now included with that group. I think there's 25 or 26 of us now under hashtag elect her. You can go to uh, either Facebook or go to Twitter, put in that hashtag elect her and see a lot of the women that are involved with that. Also in the last week, I, um, I got an endorsement from a couple of people that I'm very proud of. Melissa Etheridge, I think we talked about that last week, but um, she's been very prolific this week, so I thank her for that. And astronaut Leland Melvin. Do you remember the astronaut that took the, the viral picture with his dogs? Yeah, it, it was like his official NASA picture, and he had he'd brought his dogs in for fun. It wasn't supposed to be let out because you know NASA doesn't do anything fun, and uh, it did accidentally get shared, and it went viral. And now there's even a little Lego set that somebody's trying to get Lego to make that has two little brown dogs with uh, an African American astronaut, and I love that. A wonderful shout out from Leland Melvin this week, and uh, I appreciate that. I'm going to tell you a quick Leland Melvin story. Um, I, I call Leland my brother um, for a good reason. My mom lived, my late mother, Fran Nicholson, my mom and dad, Fran and Bill Nicholson, lived uh, about a mile down the street from me in El Lago, and my mom loves dogs she loved people she was nosy she knew everybody i come by it honestly and she always had a pocket full of dog bones so anybody walked by her house she'd have her she would have she and my dad would have their little seats out there in the afternoon and they'd talk to everybody that walked by headed to the park and that's how they got to know leland leland and his two dogs um I think they were even maybe pit bull mixtures. Um, uh, so Leland would go by every day, and, and he got to know my mom, having no idea it was my mom. I don't know how you could not know that. We look like <laughs> twins. Um, so one day I was there visiting with mom, and Leland came up with his dogs, and he said, how do you know Fran? And he was calling her mom. He goes, this is my mom, Fran. How do you know her? And I went, I uh, know, dude, this is my mom, Fran. <laughs> so when you hear me call Leland my brother, that's why we uh, we uh, both claimed that uh, my mom belonged to both of us. So a couple of nice stories there. One more story I told this morning in the email. I, um, I send out a daily email. I used to do this called the Daily Success Tip. And now it's sort of a combination daily success tip, motivational, here's what's going on in politics, Please send money, love Dana email that goes out every morning. It's very short. You can sign up for it at danasteel36.com, D-A-Y-N-A-S-T-E-E-L-E-36.com. But this morning I told the tree story. Um, so I was going to tell that real quick this morning. It's kind of a happy, you know, we've got, you know, sexual harassment and tax bills and net neutrality and ah, So let's just take a moment and tell a nice story. 
Um, it starts with 53 inches of water in my house. That's not the nice part. During Hurricane Ike, and once it was all over, and we you know we lost everything in the downstairs part of our house, this huge pile like we've all seen recently of just wet just crap out there on the side of the road. And it was about a week after when I was sitting out in the driveway trying to you know call the insurance company again that all of a sudden it hit me. All of my Christmas decorations, or, or a lot of my, the Christmas stockings from my childhood, the one my mom had made for me, the one I'd made for my mom when I was 10, the one that my mom had made for my kids, were somewhere in that pile. That is the only thing that made me cry during Hurricane Harvey. But, you know, all the, 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 the artificial Christmas tree, because we got allergies, the kids had allergies at the time, um, all of that gone gone and everybody offered to go in and dig everything out for me and I was like no 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 don't need it don't need it um and and I'm not going to buy a Christmas tree because my children will tell you I am cheap I like to say I'm very very frugal there was no way I was buying a new Christmas tree and new lights for the tree when on December the 26th that tree was going to be 75 percent off so I said we're going to decorate we'll find some way to decorate our our actual tree decorations were safe. Those had been up in a closet. So we were going to decorate the ficus tree, and we did. We decorated the ficus tree, we put the presents under, and a couple of nights before Christmas, there was a knock on the door, and I answered the door, and it's some friends of ours standing there with this just little skinny, skinny Charlie Brown fake tree. Just, I mean, it's, it's about probably five and a half, six feet tall. It's really skinny. It's just, it's just a little tree and one string of lights they had found in their attic. And they said, under no circumstances will you wake up Christmas morning with these boys without a Christmas tree. Cried like a baby. <laughs> it was so sweet. It was so special. And to this day, that has been our Christmas tree because every year when we pull that tree out, it reminds us that that's what the season is really about. It's not about spending the money. It's not about who got the most Christmas cards. It's about friends and family and doing things for others as it should be all year round. So I promise I'm going to take that email and turn it into a blog post. Several people have asked me later on today. I'll do that and you'll be able to see the, the, uh, the our uh, Charlie Brown Christmas tree as we call it. And yes, that is Godzilla on the top of the tree and that is a whole <laughs> other story for another day. Starting off today, joining me is uh, my intern, Annie Figueroa. Annie is uh, our high school intern who has been working on the campaign since school started in the fall. Annie, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Annie has to, Annie is a, a senior at Clear Horizons Early College High School, loves politics, plans to go into politics. That is what she wants to do. And as part of her mentorship, she had to do a senior project. And uh, tell us a little bit about what you came up with and how you came up with it. All right, so I first came up with my project, which is basically a manual as to how high school um, principals can register students to vote because I found out that in 1983 Texas legislator enacted a law basically requiring all principals to serve as high school deputy voter registrars and to register students and distribute forms at least twice a year but no Texas principals have been really following that law or complying with it rather and what I found out was that recently uh, some studies have been published basically saying that only 14% of public uh, high schools in Texas have actually complied with this law and 0% of um, private high schools have. And this is just uh, from basically just requesting for voter registration forms from the Secretary of State. 
and that is astonishingly low so that's why I came up with this project to basically help alleviate that within my own community I, I want to remember, I do point this out, that, and we're going to talk about the things that you have in your this PDF guide, which we're also going to post on the website, and uh, principals, schools, teachers, parents, everybody will be able to share it and pass it around so that we can make sure we get students. By the way, you can be 17 years old and 10 months and mm -hmm. register to vote. So we want to get everybody registered to vote. But I immediately, after she did her presentation, I was so blown away. I called a couple of local TV stations. They're going to be reaching out to her because they want to do a story on this after the first of the year. They were so impressed with her guide. Um, but I also called our principal. <laughs> and he's the nicest man in the world. And he just kept saying, yeah, 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 we do this, we do this. But I'm like, win, win, win. And enough parents called him. So he was very good-natured about it. And on Friday, he registered, he gave all the students that were eligible that were not registered a chance to register to vote. The forms were passed out. So I really appreciate our principal stepping up and, um, and doing that. So what were some of the responses you got when you called around to some of the schools? I mean, did you, would they even let you talk to anyone and ask these questions? Yeah. So initially with this project, I didn't think about creating a manual at first. I just thought about like actually reaching out to high schools within the district and seeing if I could help them run an election or like a voter registration drive on campus. And I sent out like tons of emails and stuff. And I think only maybe two districts actually responded. And I reached out to like 20 or 30 districts within District 36. And so whenever they actually responded to me, they were saying basically that they don't really know how to, like they've never done that on campus before and they don't really- Even though have it's a law. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And they don't have an idea as to how they can actually start running it or where to even start basically. So that's when I came up with the idea to actually come up with like a manual to distribute to, like you said, like students or high school principals or just concerned parents in general as to how they can effectively run voter registration drives on campus. So what are some of the suggestions you had? So, well, to begin Which, with- Which, by the way, before you answer that, okay. it's pretty active today on Facebook. There's, a, well, we're not gonna call names. <laughs> we're, not gonna, we're not gonna lower ourselves to Ted Cruz level. But if you have any questions, I know we're, we're live on Facebook right now. Um, by the way, this is Annie. This is Andrea in our studio audience as you see the cameras move around. around. This is Kyla. She's going to be on after the break. And this is Vicki Parker who books everything. And then we have um, our uh, tech guys we keep locked behind the glass over there. If you have a question for our guest, if you have a question for Annie about uh, registering uh, students in high schools to vote, feel free to put it on Facebook. I'll be watching these questions. And, and pass it on to Annie. So back to uh, what you discovered and what you recommend. All right, so well to begin with the manual, I first had to go over like what the duties are of like a high school uh, deputy voter registrar as a lot of them, because they weren't complying with the law, they didn't even know what duties there were for the high school principals to actually act as voter registrars. So to begin with, um, basically high school deputy voter registrars, every principal has to be qualified to be one or they can pass on um, that role or duty to another person on staff but that has to be an official appointment and so each principal if they do carry on the role of becoming a high school deputy voter registrar they have to collect and check each form for completeness after they distribute it at least twice a year uh, which is typically recommended within the months of september and january as well as um, check it for completeness basically helps students uh, complete the voter registration forms and deliver it to their local county um, voter registrar within the next five days or 29 days before any upcoming elections and so after that I went into how to become a volunteer deputy voter registrar as while only one um, 
person on staff, basically the principal is allowed to be the high school deputy voter registrar. Uh, anyone else on staff or like any other teachers or instructors can also become a volunteer deputy voter registrar and that's a very simple process. You just apply and uh, get in contact with your local county voter registrar. That's a very easy way to already make a step to uh, help high school students basically vote within your own district because uh, all you have to do is become 18 and be like a legal Texas resident and you can sign up to become a high school deputy or a volunteer deputy voter registrar. And so after basically going over like all the legal qualifications for it as well as the duties of those positions, I went into how you can effectively run voter registration drives on campus. So to begin with, I started out with like a basic checklist as to how um, you can effectively run those on campus as again, a lot of the high schools I reached out to didn't even know where to start, honestly. So the first thing I wrote was basically just to come up with a best time or date for it uh, on campus to make sure that all the students are there and available to actually sign up and register to vote. And I'm going to tell you that somebody just put that question. Let me uh, mm -hmm. read that question to you. Uh, from Julie, when high schools do run a voter registration, what is the student response? Uh, do most who can register do it? Also, what time of day is best? So take it away. All there. right. So um, whenever you run uh, high school voter registration drives on campus, and this has been done in many other states that have actually taken more of an initiative as to uh, completing these on campus, uh, a lot of students actually do uh, respond and do uh, participate in the voter registration drives. And this is largely because most of the voter registration drives on campus, which is one of the tips that I found to be most effective in running them successfully is allowing students to organize it themselves. So by reaching out to students on campus, or like student organizations, any political clubs. Give them or, ownership. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Any Anyone even in a government class, um, anyone can help out with this and just make sure to reach out to like your local county voter registrar, establish a partnership there, schedule classroom visits, anything like that. If students have the responsibility to actually run it on campus, then there's a large amount of uh, response or good feedback from the students based upon that. And I would say the best time of day uh, probably during like a lunch break or anything like that, or even just like a large school event in general, maybe outside of school, where a lot of students will be attending. But I think anytime during the school day, I think especially during lunch, since that's when most students are free, would be the best time to run uh, voter registration drives on campus. And then, as we say in the marketing world, advertise, advertise, advertise. Exactly. Let people know in every way you can. Exactly. and Like so, flyers around the school yeah. and, and morning announcements and that sort of thing? Yeah, and that's something students can contribute to as well. They can um, volunteer, even if they're not interested in government or anything like that. This is a responsibility for pretty much every citizen within the U.S. So uh, just allowing students to design the posters or just distribute it on campus, announce it in your student announcements in the morning. Those are great ways to be able to advertise it on campus and reach out to students. Another quick question mm -hmm. for you. Somebody said, since it is, it is a part of the election code, it is part of Texas yes. law, how, let's see if I can, uh, I've got the font too small. <laughs> um, if the state passed the law, what is the state required to do in an effort to make sure the law is being followed? Were you able to follow up on why it's not being done? I'm not necessarily sure why. I just don't think a lot of Texas principals are aware of it. And I think the only thing, since it is the um, position of the Secretary of State in Texas um, to actually enforce this, I think uh, what the Office of the Secretary of State is doing now is basically just reaching out to superintendents as opposed to principals. And I believe there's like petitions going around and stuff like that, or 
So it'd be better if they reached out directly to the principals of every yeah, school exactly. instead. But most superintendents don't want you to do that. They want everything to go through them. And this is like at the bottom of their to-do list exactly. with everything else going on. Yeah, so I think the initiative first went to uh, principals at first, just uh, enforcing the, them to follow Texas Election Code. But I think this Office of the Secretary of State, to make it a more powerful initiative, started reaching out to superintendents across Texas and efforts to um, reinforce this within our school systems, but it's still not going as well as we'd like it to be. <laughs> as we would like it to. So what are some other things folks can do? Um, so one of the things I came up with, well, first of all, again, allowing students to run voter registration drives on campus, again, partnering up with government clubs or political clubs or anything like that. Um, any student government organizations would be a great way uh, for students to be able to organize the own voter registration drives on campus. Um, that's a really great way for them to become more involved and more informed as to uh, what the voter registration process is like and more about their civic duties. Tegan in the control room had a great question, and that is, what if you have a school like Clear Falls where you have kids that live in Galveston County and kids that live in Harris County? Do you have to have deputy voter registrars for both? Yes. Does the principal have to be uh, a deputy voter registrar in both counties? Yes. yes. <laughs> so, yes, you do. You have to register in the county that you live in. Um, there are some schools that may even have kids from three counties. So, yes, exactly. you do have to register in the county you live in. There's spe specific forms. There should be just one Texas-wide form. There's not. Yeah, there's not. But, um, yeah, Texas principals are required to represent all of the counties uh, with represented at his school or his or her school so he can be able to distribute them uh, the completed forms, basically, to each and every county within that five-day period. Um, and which, by the way, if anyone's curious, you can pick up those forms at uh, the courthouse. Yes. They are available. Uh, aren't they supposed to be available at post offices also? Sometimes. I believe so. They're so again, key phrase here is supposed to be available. Um, I know every time I've gone to the um, courthouse uh, over on Diana in uh, Clear Lake, a lot of times they're out and you have mm -hmm. to ask and I've been told oh I don't know where they are and I'm like excuse me I do I know if you'll go back there because I watched <laughs> where they went the last time I'm like they're on the bottom shelf in that room on the left <laughs> sure enough they're like how do you know that Just pay attention help folks do their job so keep going Annie what else can we do um, well so going off of that basically um, that's another great way for students to be able to become more involved by distributing blank voter registration forms because anyone is uh, qualified to do that you just can't um, collect them yourself and this is some, a project I did my sophomore year because um, you can get the mail-in ones so that way you yeah, don't have exactly. to sign them or anything they're not they're, they're the ones that you 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 just fill it out and mail it in yeah the postage is already paid for and I did this uh, during my sophomore and junior year especially for the um, upcoming presidential election and I ran this like on my own like college campuses or public libraries like, I'm telling just, you she's the president <laughs> in, in 20 years I promise yeah and it was a really simple process but I came across like a lot of students on my campus who hasn't uh, registered to vote yet and they were only going to because of the presidential election so it was great to be able to like actually help them and give them the voter registration forms and the tools necessary to um, become more active in politics and by the way if you see my truck lady liberty driving around or you see me in a parking lot you see me in a restaurant whatever i usually have those mail-in forms yeah. in my purse and i also have the i am a deputy voter registrar so if you want me to register you right there on the spot i can so yeah and that's but anybody can pick up those mm -hmm. mail-in forms and pass them out yeah, so another way for students to become more involved is um, 
Well, if you're 18 years old, you can um, register to become a deputy or a volunteer deputy voter registrar. And that's another way for students to be able, if they are 18 already, they can actually run this voter registration drives on campus and collect them themselves. As well as uh, in Texas, there's a student poll worker program. And this is for like beyond the voter registration process to actually uh, becoming an election clerk. And this is also something I did uh, both last year and this year. I actually worked uh, on the day of the presidential election. And um, that was a really great way for me to be able to um, like learn more about the election process and basically how I can help citizens with my own community. And it's a really easy process. Um, all you need to do is just get your high school principal to sign off on a simple form. And you actually get two days uh, by law excused uh, from school. So you can actually go and work as a... Okay, now wait, repeat that. Let's. Let, that's another thing they're yeah, not telling yeah. people. Okay, repeat that. Uh, so in Texas, there's a student poll worker program, and uh, basically it allows students to be able to work as uh, election clerks. And you get two days off of school legally um, to go out and uh, both train to become a student poll worker as well as go out and actually participate in either an early voting day or on the actual election day for whichever election is coming up. Okay, when we when we do your next post on the uh, the blog at danasteel36.com, we're going to add a link to this guide that yes. anybody can download. But let's also remind me to include that link. So I think it's actually in the guide. <laughs> students and parents, but we'll specifically yeah. put it so people don't have to go find it that you can register for this student poll program. Yeah, and it's a really easy process, and it was a really fun uh, way for me to be able to engage within uh, my own community and basically be able to learn more about the election process. So that's another great way for students to become more involved. Um, something else I found was basically just uh, actually working out, working with your like local county election clerks or voter registrars and scheduling classroom visits like a great way. It is important for students to be able to actually participate in the voting process, but it's also important to, for them to become informed citizens and like learn about their responsibilities as citizens. And one of the best ways that I found is basically incorporating that within the school curriculum. So if you have like a government teacher you can establish a partnership with, uh, there's a lot of online free curriculums uh, offered, or lesson plans rather, basically uh, informing students as to the history of the voting process and how students can become more involved in that now. And I believe the League of Women Voters has a published a really great uh, lesson plan for that and that's also included in the manual as well for teachers. Um, and basically anyone on staff at schools to be able to incorporate that within um, their classroom curriculum, as well as scheduling visits with your local county voter registrar. If you just invite them over, they'll be, I'm sure they'll be happy to speak to the class and talk more about um, the voting process. And that's another great way to reinforce it within students, that it is important to be able to register to vote. And that's a great way to give them incentive basically to actually participate in the voter registration drives on campus. I love that you mentioned that 18-year-old students can become deputy voter yes. registrars. I hadn't even thought about that. And it's really an easy process. It's mm -hmm. only about an hour presentation. It's free. They do them all the time, all over. So no matter what county you're in, and uh, I guess you call your, your, your the voter registrar with your county, um, call the courthouse, and they can tell you when the next event is coming up. Uh, lots of folks are doing those so that would be great to get that many more students involved yeah exactly that's something i plan to do as soon as i turn 18 in july so i'm planning yeah, she's on not 18 that. yet no folks. not yet <laughs> i have uh, a 17 year old high school intern and i have a 23 year old recent college graduate who are both 62 year old people trapped in <laughs> 
17-year-old and 23-year-old bodies. They're amazing. You know, have some questions about politics? We just call Annie and ask her. She's <laughs> going to know. She also does a lot of our research, which I have to tell you, yesterday I was talking to our PR team, and they said, whoever put together your press list, this is amazing. <laughs> and that would be Annie. So mm -hmm. she's been an amazing asset. What do you hope to do moving forward? T talk to us a little bit about, I know you got college coming up yes. and then beyond. So the Annie Figueroa commercial here. Oh, wow. Um, well, to continue off of this project at first, I would like to be able, by the time I finish um, my senior year at Clear Horizons, I hope to be able to actually distribute this manual uh, to school districts within the area. And that's something I just hope to finish and complete probably throughout college. And as for college plans, I'd like to uh, double major in philosophy and political science and hopefully go to either Rice University or University of Texas at Austin and continue to work on my personal projects and um, allowing students to be able to register to vote. All right, I'm going to do the Annie Figueroa commercial here. You know, if you know someone, <laughs> if you're involved or you know someone or you know someone who knows someone who knows someone, Annie Figueroa's number one choice is Rice University. She would be an unbelievable asset to uh, the Jim Baker, you know, Institute uh, of International Policy and getting involved in political science. She is a gem. Um, uh, we thank our lucky stars every day. We have her involved with our campaign. So I'm just saying, hey, Rice, <laughs> hey, Rice, I'm talking. This is at a major, amazing student. So thank you for coming in and doing this. And we'll hey, get this up on the, uh, the blog here in the next couple of days. So stick around. Annie Figueroa, our uh, high school student who will someday be the president of the United <laughs> States. I'm putting my five bucks on that. I'm Dana Steele. You're listening to The Voice for Southeast Texas. We will be back to talk health care. Stick around. Thanks for being here. You're listening to The Voice for Southeast Texas, Dana Steele.
high level business networking opportunity, then look no further than Vinyl Draft. Mark your calendar for 7 p.m. on the third Tuesday of each month and join Doug Meisinger and Bertrand McHenry along with co-host Kelly Williams for a totally unique networking concept. No selling, no passing out business cards, just a place to mix, mingle, and create relationships with Clear Lake Area's top professionals. All of this with the fine food and craft cocktails of Preamble Lounge and Craft House and an all-vinyl LP soundtrack. And remember, it's Vinyl Draft. Wear something nice. If you would like to be in the studio audience for Dana's show, contact info at vinyldraft.com. That's info at V-I-N-Y-L-D-R-A-U-G-H-T dot com. Now, back to more of Dana Steele, the voice for Southeast Texas from the Associated Credit Union of Texas studio. Welcome back to the voice for Southeast Texas. That would be me, Dana Steele, running to be your congresswoman for U.S. Congress, Texas District 36. For more information, if you'd like to support, you'd like to volunteer, you want to get involved in some way, you go to danasteele36.com, D-A-Y-N-A-S-T-E-E-L-E-36.com. Um, if you're watching live on Facebook, you already know we're here. Be sure and like our page, Dana Steele 36 and I'm on Twitter as well, Dana Steele, D-A-Y-N-A-S-T-E-E-L-E. And you can follow along at all of the above. Joining us right now is Kyla McKay. Kyla is a Houston area blogger, a prolific Houston area blogger, uh, healthcare advocate, and mom. You can find her at Houston Mom's blog, The Mighty, and her personal blog, OurLifeIs.com. Kyla, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you so much. So, what uh, started your blogging career? Uh, well, I got into it as mommy blogging a long time ago. Um, I have three kids. My oldest, Nathaniel, he's 15, he's in high school. My middle, uh, Katie, is 12, and she's a seventh grader. And then we have a two year old as well. Uh, and so, we started. I started writing because um, my middle daughter started having some health challenges when she was about a year old, um, and it was just a place to sort of talk about that, what we were going through with the diagnosis process and looking for answers. And, it's and cathartic. That sort of thing. It's also cathartic. Yeah. That's why I wrote about mom's Alzheimer's. Right. It was cathartic, but it also I realized there was a whole community of people exactly. out there that yeah. could help me with answers or go. It's okay been there done that right yeah it, it it really opens the world up you know in your everyday life you don't necessarily meet people facing the same sort of niche challenges but online you can find people with the same rare conditions or you know just the same things that you're dealing with every day so what were some of the first blogs you started doing by the way the term mommy blogger some people find that to be derogatory i've gone to a few mommy blogger conventions these are some of the sharpest most well-connected, most powerful women ever. So never, ever dismiss a mommy blogger. Um, so you're writing for a couple of different blogs. What are the differences in the ones you write for? So a long time ago, I had a much you know more private, personal blog. Um, and then I just sort of jumped platforms and started over as my kids got bigger and the things we were dealing with were different. Um, so that's when we moved over to ourlifeis.com. Uh, this past year I got involved with writing for Houston Moms blog and then recently, just recently, I've had a few pieces picked up by The Mighty. So healthcare being a big, big platform for you. You are yes. an advocate for healthcare for all. 
uh, Affordable Health Care, the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare. I cannot tell you how many people I've heard, and then I heard doctors talking about it on national TV the other day, that people say, I love my ACA, but I hate that Obamacare. Yeah. Okay, ACA and Obamacare are the same. Yes exact thing we hear we hear the bad my brother as far as i know is one of those people that still just pays the fine Mm -hmm. because it's cheaper than the premiums that he would have had to pay so he just goes without health care because the the prices are outrageous um i i've got people that i want to bring in to the campaign but i can't afford you know to hire full-time people because then i have to provide health care and i got on the ACA last week as an employer and tried to get through it and it's 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 difficult Mm -hmm. so it does have its issues but it does have its good part too and you're an advocate for it so talk to me a little bit about that so uh, initially how I got involved in healthcare in the first place is my daughter Katie um, she was having health problems we got her on an individual plan um, through Texas Children's that we were paying for out of pocket and they decided that um, they were not turning a large enough profit, so they notified us that the plan would be shutting down. And, and initially, we just thought, okay, well, we'll just move her to another plan. So we started looking at plans and, and working with the insurance agent. And because in the time from when she got that plan to the time that they decided to close it, she was involved in like five different therapies. We were seeing probably 10 specialists, MRIs, EEGs, labs, just, all, you know, it's huge, like a full-time job, a, a huge workup. And so our agent, when she saw the application, she called me and she was like, um, you know, I don't want to deny her because if you get a denial stamped on her, no one else is even going to read your application, but we can't cover her. So I need you to pull the application back because basically she needed too much health care so it wasn't profitable for them to insure her and so this was pre-ACA when right. you could be right. denied for pre-existing conditions which I had didn't understand I thought everybody gets insurance if you pay you it, wanted yeah. to pay for insurance and you needed it you could get it but then I discovered that wasn't you the have case. to be well right which sort of defeats the whole right. purpose. yes so after that we were like well what are our options if we can't get individual plan, my husband's um, work insurance was 30% of our income, and we just didn't have 30% of our income to spend on healthcare. And then even then, it didn't cover genetics, it didn't cover therapies, it didn't cover all of these specialized things that she needed because they weren't required by law to actually provide these benefits. So from there, we turned to the high-risk pool mm-hmm. because the high risk pool is meant for people like Katie, but when we called and spoke with them, uh, they asked if we had group coverage available, and I said, yes, we do, we can't afford it, and it doesn't cover the things that she needs, and they said, well, if it's available, we're not required to cover you, so we don't. So the high risk pool wasn't an option. I called the state board of insurance, and I said, well, this is what I'm being told. Is this actually accurate? Do we really have no options? And they were like, yeah, unfortunately, that's that's the case. Nobody's required to cover you. The high-risk pool isn't required to cover you. It doesn't matter if the employer coverage is affordable, if it provides anything. Um, so what happens if you don't get any coverage whatsoever for Katie? So now, today, it's, it's more serious, but this was the most stressful period of our life. We had a kid, we didn't know what was wrong with her. We were losing access to her doctors, her therapists, everything. Um, and so the, the thing that we were left with was my husband could take a pay cut so he could qualify for CHIP because 
government insurance is the only thing that is required to cover you if you meet the criteria so he had to but, but he was making too much so he right. took just, a pay just barely, cut but he had to take a pay cut so our daughter could survive basically um and i know some people say well isn't that working the system well if you're gonna let your kid die or you yeah, need to make I'm a little work less the money system. then you do what you have to do for your kids so um that's the position we found ourselves in and so um i was like well i you know i need to do something about this and through this process when we're trying to find solutions for katie we got involved with the children's defense fund and they were really instrumental in in helping us you know figure out what we could do for her and so i started working with them and and at that time we were trying to get uh, a buy-in program for chip in the state of course the whole picture is much different now but that's kind of how i got started so then aca obamacare comes along and were you skeptical were you excited were you what uh, I, I mean, I was sort of on the fence. Uh, it, it has some really great things, um, pre-existing protections, um, the things for, you know, like minimum basic benefits that every plan has to have. You're not spending money on nothing. If you pay for it, you're going to have some sort of benefit. So those things were great. Unfortunately for us, uh, for my husband and myself, it was still too expensive. So he and I have been uninsured. but. Um, Katie is now on a Medicaid waiver program because her medical needs have increased so much that um, technically she could be in a nursing facility. So they do waiver programs for uh, people with a certain level of disability so they can remain in their community with their families where the cost of care is actually much lower. Um, so she's covered by Medicaid and my other two children are on CHIP. Now they're trying to take CHIP away. What? Yeah. Where are we in the state of Texas on that right now? So. Um, I, the last I heard, we had gotten some money from the federal government that will last us through February. Uh, That's not very long. No, it is not long at all. And so, of course, I've been calling and writing and faxing and our lovely senators just about daily. Uh, and it, it's just one of those things that they're sort of holding hostage. There's no reason for it. There's bipartisan support. They have the votes. They just need to call it to a floor, and, and they're just not making it a priority. They because it's get, being used as a weapon. They want, yeah, they want to get their tax leverage. bill through, and they're like, well, let us do this tax bill, and maybe we'll do chip for you. Uh, and it's ridiculous because they're holding the lives of children in their hands, like, well, do you really love these kids? Do what we want, and it's it's... It's not okay in any way. What happens when you call these offices? Are you calling their local offices, their um, Washington offices, all of I the above? I typically call Washington, and generally I get a voicemail. Sometimes I get, this message box is full. Oh, yeah, I get that uh, a lot. Ted Cruz, I've used ResistBot a lot, and uh, Ted Cruz decided that he was just going to unplug his fax machine because he didn't want to even, I guess, pretend to listen to us. So um, every day you sort of have to hit them in a different way to actually make contact with someone or get your message through which is which is pretty sad commentary on how things are right now as a parent to hear you tell these stories I can't imagine I mean I've been very fortunate my kids are, are healthy for the most part um, the the 21 year old was a seven-week preemie it was I saw all the bills and how long they kept him and everything that happened he was a half million dollar baby mm -hmm. uh, that cost me five hundred dollars but I had great coverage yeah um, we as far as we know we have the same health care back then that Congress had you mm -hmm. know which is really good great yay Congress um, I get to ask this question a lot when you get elected to Congress will you carry the same insurance 
that your constituents do and i I think you have to Mm -hmm. um and i hear mixed stories on who's carrying what now in congress that there's their staffs and you know they do have to have aca obamacare Mm -hmm. Uh, unless I guess they can afford to do something else. Most of them are so rich they can afford to do whatever they want. Yeah. Uh, but no, I think we all have to be on the, the same health care, which makes me a huge proponent um, for some time now for Medicare for all, a.k.a. health care for all, a.k.a. single-payer health care. It's all the same thing. Uh, I hear a lot of arguments from people, oh, but the Medicare system is so screwed up, and I hear from doctors it's so convoluted trying to do everything. But, you know, going through... Two and a half, three years of medical care with my mom once she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and I had to take over that. I would say that, you know, at least I never could understand Medicaid. That's what would bring me to my knees trying to figure out where she qualified for what. And the short version is she had too much in assets, too much, you know, there was mm-hmm. there was nothing that if I couldn't have covered her uh, assisted living and memory care it was not going to be covered at a nursing home whatsoever. Um, but the Medicare side was always so easy. It was just, we knew exactly when we made appointments with doctors, they were like, oh, she's on Medicare, it's covered, it's great. Uh, uh, Charlie the Wonder Husband celebrated his Medicare birthday this last uh, weekend. I'm like, woohoo, Charlie's got Medicare. Um, I'm a big proponent of it. Where are you on that issue? Um, I think. Everyone in America should have access to quality health care that they can afford. And if it, it Medicare for all is the best route to do that, then, then I'm supportive of that. I think we need to get uh, beyond the dance we're in right now. Let's do away with Obamacare. Let's not. Uh, and move forward. This is where we are right now. How can we make it better for more right. people? People tend to think that I'm doing this only for my kids, but I don't think anyone should find themselves in a position like that. No, and it can happen just, it can happen like yeah, that. One of the kids I gave a laptop to, um, mom and dad worked, life was good, they weren't rich, but they were middle class, they were, you know, they were they were making their way, they were paying for their house, everything was good. Uh, he was, a, he was a, uh, a strong baseball player, he wasn't a star on the high school team, but he was probably gonna get into a, uh, a smaller college on a baseball scholarship, and that would help out the family, and all of a sudden, mom was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. She had to stop working. Healthcare costs were outrageous. So not only had they lost an income, um, just like that, um, but also their healthcare costs had gone up, and after six months of that, I mean, but he was, he was, you know, they were still making ends meet. They were figuring it out. Dad went in for a, a, a minor, regular, routine medical procedure and had a heart attack and died. So he had to quit the baseball team to get a job after school. There went the, the possibility of college. Sister had to quit college where she had a full ride to come home and work they moved in with the grandparents i mean it's just like that their lives were turned upside down and so many of us the vast majority of americans cannot handle a 400 dollar emergency cannot handle if something happened today that you had to come up with 400 dollars, could not handle it it would bankrupt them so at any given time Healthcare issues can pop up, and we're all going to be in that boat. So why don't we do what we can with Medicare for All and get everybody covered? You're a mom. I'm a mom. Um, Vicki, you a mom? No. 
Nope. Want one? I've got an extra one. I'll give you one. Um, but moms know healthy is cheaper than sick. Yeah. Preventative care saves costs on the back end. Healthy is sure. people go, well, I shouldn't have to pay for your health care. You are paying for everybody's health care yes. that can't pay for their health care. When you go to a doctor, it increased a drug cost, it increased device cost, it increased doctor cost, it increased facility cost. Everybody that goes to the emergency room because they can't afford to do anything else, believe me, they are passing those costs on to you. And studies have shown over and over again that something like Medicare for All is going to make us a much healthier nation and healthy people work. Healthy, educated people work. Healthy, educated people give back to the economy. Healthy, educated people create opportunities. I say it all goes back to health care. So if you had Ted Cruz, John Cornyn, Brian Babin, standing in front of you right now they're scared of moms and they do that but if, if they they are they're scared scaredy cats if you had one or all three or any of the above standing in front of you in person for one minute and six seconds what would you tell them Ooh, that's a tall order um first i would say they need to fund chip and stop playing this game that they're playing my youngest who is on chip she's a heart baby she requires cardiology care she is one of millions uh, in texas across the nation that they're basically playing chicken with their lives and they need to move forward um, and aside from that i think they need to listen to their constituents overall uh, health care is one of the things that voters care most about right now and they're pretending like it's not an issue they made a terrible campaign promise that they were going to do away with the aca people don't support that any longer and they're still just trying to shove it through time after time uh, in tax bills in health care bills um, and, and they just keep coming for it even though by and large, people don't support it, and they need to take a step back from that and really listen to what people are telling them. Met a hardcore Republican the other day. He's a, a registered gun instructor for the NRA. He wouldn't come more than six feet in the yard. He wasn't getting any closer to Democrats than he had to. <laughs> but then he said, but I'm for Medicare for all. I'm torn. I'm so torn. I think a lot of us are. Thank you for telling your story. I know yeah, it's not easy, me. but I really appreciate it, and I think it helps a lot of folks. We will be right back. You're listening to The Voice for Southeast Texas. We've been speaking with Kyla McKay. You can see, um, find her blogs. We'll, we'll do links to all of that once we get the podcast up so you can read some of what she's written. And we'll be back uh, just to wrap things up on The Voice for Southeast Texas. I'm Dana Steele. Stick around. You're listening to The Voice for Southeast Texas, Dana Steele. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. From now on, our troubles will be out of sight. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Make the Yuletide gay. From now on, our troubles will be miles away. friends 
those who are dear to us gather near to us once more through the years we all will be together if the fates allow hang a shining star upon the highest bough and have yourself a merry little Christmas now fates allow hang a shining star upon the highest bar and have yourself a merry little Christmas now to more of Dana Steele, the voice for Southeast Texas from the Associated Credit Union of Texas studio. Welcome back to the Voice for Southeast Texas. I'm Dana Steele. We are wrapping up things today. Thank you so much for uh, joining in on Facebook. We've had a lot of great questions. Um, let's see, there was somebody I wanted to give a shout out to. Let me make sure I get the name right here. Jimmy Noser. Hey, Jimmy, how are you? And Julie Pippert um, have been really involved. A lot of folks have, a lot of folks listening today. So that's been fun to have that involvement. Uh, Annie Figueroa, not even 18 years old yet, taking on voter suppression here in the state of Texas. We really didn't call it that during your segment, but that is part of voter suppression in texas um they don't want to get a lot of generation z which i found that is what she's called mm -hmm. now generation z and millennials they're trying to keep the information from you they don't want you registering to vote because it is uh it is old school texas uh on what we do with with voters rights so we will have your blog up here in just a little while on the website, danasteel36.com, D-A-Y-N-A-S-T-E-E-L-E-36.com. Also, Kylie McKay, who's joined us, who is a uh, Houston area blogger, a, a health advocate, and a mom of three. Her writing can be found at Houston Mom's blog, The Mighty, and her personal blog, which is ourlifeis.com. Not sure how much time we have left here, but a couple of things I wanted to wrap up um 
It looks like they may vote on the tax reform bill as early as today, which has been proven across the board to be a really bad thing unless you're a corporation or you're mm-hmm. already rich. Um, so there is still time to try to call your senators, try to call Cruz, try to call Cornyn, try to call your congressman or congresswoman in our area. That would be Brian Babin. Let them know, no, you're not for it. Yes, it may give some in the middle class a tax break. It's temporary. The tax breaks for the wealthy and for corporations are deemed permanent. And it will add $1.5 trillion to the debt. That is what the Republicans, um, it's what they campaigned on over a year ago. It's what they've campaigned on for years, is that we have to bring that debt down. And that's what they were going to do. And they could pass a bill as early as today that's going to add $1.5 trillion to the debt. So we're going to pass that on to our kids. We're going to pass it on to our grandkids, our great-grandkids. And if you think we're going to get infrastructure fixed, no, there's not going to be any money to do that. Things like the... um, uh, just that horrific uh, train wreck yesterday in Washington State, uh, fixing infrastructure, not going to happen. It's just not going to happen because there's not going to be any money there. So make sure you pay attention to what's happening. Wake up, get involved, find a candidate, find an issue that you're passionate about, and speak up. We've all been asleep for way too long thinking, you know, I've, I voted, I have politicians. It's all going to be taken care of. And that's why I decided to step up and run for Congress because I realized it wasn't being taken care of. And I was one of those people that's like, I got other things to do. I don't have time to be involved in politics. And then I realized we don't have we 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 don't have a future if we don't get involved. Just crazy stuff is happening. So join us, support us, DanaSteel36.com, D-A-Y-N-A. S-T-E-E-L-E 36.com. After the holidays, after the first of the year, we are going to start call banking. We are going to start block walking. We've got yard signs. You can donate. There's a lot of different things you can do. So go to the website, click on the button that says join us. It's in the upper right column. And pick what it is you'd like to do. Would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Would you like to be, Andrea, come over here really quick. Andrea uh, Elizondo, I'm going to get you in here really quick over on uh, on on Annie's mic. Say hello. Sitting in our studio audience. Hi there. Thank you so much. So you, you were marching for what last year? What was your number one cause you were up at the legislature for? Well, I did march a few times against SB4. Not that I was really allowed by my job to do so, but okay, I did well, it anyways. Shh, we won't tell anyone. <laughs> But I was mostly being in policy analysis within Texas led this past session. Well, good for you. I was you. covering transportation, um, public safety, and also international trade. Thank you. Well, affairs. thank you. Thank you for stepping up. I mean, some really strong women. So it's been great to have all of these women. Thanks to everybody on Facebook who's been watching and listening today. And uh, happy belated birthday to Leon in the booth. Yay, Leon. And... Oh, it's Tegan's birthday too. We just are y'all. Are y'all just making up birthdays now? Happy birthday to everybody! Thank you for listening to the voice and for watching the Voice for Southeast Texas. I'm Dana Steele. Join me at danasteele36.com and have a great day. Thanks.
You've been listening to the voice for Southeast Texas, Dana Steele. For more information or to be on the show, visit danasteele36.com. That's D-A-Y-N-A-S-T-E-E-L-E-36.com. Join us next Tuesday at 9 a.m. for more of The Voice for Southeast Texas, Dana Steele. For info on hosting your own show on Vinyl Draft Radio, contact us via email at info at vinyldraftradio.com or by phone at 281-210-4608. The preceding program, The Voice for Southeast Texas, was paid for by the Dana Steele Campaign.